So as mentioned, it is pretty rare for Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday to be on the same day. And, and it may seem they are very much exclusive, you might think. And, and actually, in act, when you get back into the history of it all, St. Valentine was martyred on this day. So death and dying and dust kind of goes together. Anybody wants some chocolate, right? It doesn't make sense. And, and yet this day has come to mean a lot of things when it comes to Valentine's Day. Last time Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday fell in the same, pay, on the same day was 1945. Uh, so it's been a while. Uh, been a while. Um, I, many people like Valentine's Day. Um, I remember as a kid, uh, loving the day. And we had parties here today, lots of chocolate, lots of sugar, and lots of fun, and lots of red, and, and pink, and white, contrasted with black. And, and just two things. And yet Valentine's Day, uh, lots of fun. As a kid, I remember growing up in Minnesota, um, one of the things we did in grade school was we would uh, save a shoebox. Our teacher always said every year, save a shoebox. And a week before Valentine's Day, we would start to decorate and work on our Valentine's Day mailboxes, in essence, is what it was. And we would bring these decorated to school. It, did this happen where you grew up, too? A few of you experienced this, too? I loved it. I mean, you decorated with construction paper, and, and I always like to kind of just come up with a cool design and, and probably go went way further than I needed to. But there's something about it. But it wasn't really about the box. It was all about receiving the Valentine's Day uh, cards from my friends and my classmates filled with messages and filled with chocolate and candy. And I love candy and I love messages. There's always this excitement. Who's going to give me a Valentine? And, and what's the Valentine going to say? And, and is that girl that I think is so cute going to give me a Valentine? And what's it going to say? A few years ago, I found something pretty special. I discovered my mom had must have pulled it out of my book bag back in third grade. She kept a love note that I received. And I think it came probably around Valentine's Day. And it was, it was pretty special to me at the time. I want to read it to you. And in fact, we'll put it up here too. You, you may not be able to read all of it, but it's from Laura, Laura Belke. And uh, I, I, was, I had a huge crush on Laura Belke. And when the note was passed by my friends down the, down the road during class, and it came to me and I saw it had my name on it and I opened it and I saw it was from Laura, I, I started to shake. I mean, I, I'm right there, I remember this day. And, and to find this note that my mom thought to save is pretty special. And here's what it says, you, you can get a, a sense of her deep admiration and commitment to me in her love. <laughs> Dear Mark, I love you. And Marcus Moinkle. I don't know which one I love the most. I like you and I love you. I don't know which one though. But I love Jason Nass too. <laughs> and John Z, John Zimmerman too. So, but I still don't know which one, Mark. Now she misspelled my name. But don't get mad, Mark. Bye-bye from Laura. <laughs> How are you supposed to feel about something like that? She's got it narrowed down to four people, right? 
I love you though, I, really? I mean, it's like one of those things you're like, really? I mean, it makes you kind of like say, you want to throw it away. Like, really? Is that how you're going to express your love to me, Laura? I have this crush on you. I've, I've, I've shown you my undivided attention and devotion to you. And you tell me, I can't decide. I love you. I love this guy. I love this guy. I, you know, it, it's a, it's a crapshoot. Who does I love the most, right? What do you do with that? You know, it'd be easy to judge Laura for her love for me or lack thereof, or her divided heart if it weren't true of all of us. And I think about this a lot. What kind of messages do I send my God? And, and are they in line with something like this? You, know, you open God's word and, and you see how God's people have had a problem with divided hearts for a very long time. There's a prophets in the Old Testament, they, they spoke out against it. You know, God had blessed his people again and again. And, and in every way, and they had every reason to praise him. They had every reason to make them the front and center of their love and admiration and worship in all things, that God would be at the center of it all. But they couldn't seem to get it right. Hosea, chapter 10, verse 2, God says this about his people. He says, their heart is deceitful. Literally, if you pull that word apart for deceitful, it, it says it's their hearts are divided, meaning their attention of their hearts is going a lot of different directions. And now they must bear their guilt, the Lord says. For I, the Lord, will demolish what they hold dear and destroy their sacred things. And when he talks about the things they hold dear and the sacred things, he's not talking about the things that he holds sacred. He's talking about the things that they had made sacred. Here's God saying, here I am, and here's my undivided love for you. My faithfulness for you is perfect. And yet the people said, well, we love you, God. We come to worship. We worship you. We're here. We love you. We're all in, God. And they'd leave, and their hearts would be everywhere else. Focused on possessions and stuff. Focused on business. Focused on, on themselves and, and worshiping the God of that idol of themselves in the mirror. Focus on the lusts of their eyes and the passions of their hearts. See, that was more exciting. So why wouldn't they worship that too? I mean, after all, they love God and there's room for loving lots of things. So after all, why not love and love and love in every direction with a divided, messed up heart? Sound familiar? It does for me. And then the question comes, what do you do with that? When God comes and calls us and says, this doesn't work anymore. Lest I destroy what you hold dear. Lest I remind you of the depth and the wages of your sin. But there's more to it. The prophet Joel spoke out against it too. Yet with a little more hope. He said, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, 
for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. So maybe there is hope. But it would seem there isn't room for us to continue to love God with a divided heart. Did you ever go through a breakup? Anybody? And, and you know, when you go through a breakup with someone, it's painful, but a lot of times in order to kind of cement the deal in that breakup, often one of the practices is you take all the things that were, were given in the time of the romance and all the things that just led to deceit and all the things that weren't what you thought they were, pictures and notes. And it's often a common thing. At least I remember doing this is to cement the deal is you get rid of it and you turn it to ashes. It's part of just kind of cutting ways and saying, you know what? I'm not going there anymore. That's who I was, but it's not who I am anymore. Especially when we realize the things of our divided heart, the passions and the pleasures and the pursuits that are not of God. And we come to a night like this and the reminders of, of ashes, that we are dust and to dust we will return. And the things that we often hold so sacred and we think are so important are really just dust and they're leading to death. If they're getting in the way of our relationship with our first love, the one who created our hearts, the one who called our hearts, the one who renewed our hearts for a relationship with him in an undivided way, and all the things that are getting in the way, they're not worth it anymore. Our God is calling us back. And through ashes, to dust we are, and to dust we will return. You know, in those Old Testament days, a signal of, of repentance was to wear sackcloth, equivalent of burlap in our days, and, and cover your face in ashes is a, a sign of true repentance, a sign of, uh, I really mean it this time. But what God started to remind his people of throughout those days and, and Jesus and the fullness of that, it's really not about the outward show. It's more about what's going on in the inside. And a God who is calling truly our hearts and our minds and lives to experience true renewal. To truly take a turn from what we thought was so sacred. To put it to death. And to turn to a God who reminds us of something better. I'll read it again. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious. Don't miss that. And compassionate. Don't miss that. Slow to anger. Don't miss that. And abounding in love. Don't miss that. As we spend time in his presence, and a God who renews us, a God who restores true love, true romance, true hearts that beat in fullness in a relationship with him. It happens in a time like this. Don't miss that. And we pray.
Lord Jesus, you have sent us not just a letter or message of love, but you've come near to us as a savior in the flesh, a God who comes near to be willing to not just tell us about love and tell us we are loved, but to show us what real love is and what real love does, to restore hearts. Lord, we confess that far too often our hearts have been divided. Far too often we have pursued love relationships in every direction. Whatever our mind thought made sense, whatever our hearts divided as they were, wanted to pursue. But you're a God who tonight calls us back, who invites us to repent, and in so doing, you're a God who relents with grace and mercy and compassion to draw our hearts, to renew our hearts, and create in us, just as David prayed, it create in us a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within us. So meet us in these days of Lent, in your presence, Jesus, as a Savior who goes that way of death in our place, that we might have life. It's in your name we pray. Amen.